Yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of things that I can't unsee, you know? But I mean, I'm in a place right now where I want to do what I can to give back and to try and help these folks. From Boston 25 News, this is First on Scene, a podcast about the people who run toward danger, about those who become heroes in our darkest hour. Thanks so much for joining us for First on Scene, where we talk with the first responders who run to help when so many people are running away. And those who listen frequently to this podcast know how paramedics, firefighters, and police respond in such a big way, and any given day can be so unique. And today, we're talking about a very special team that is having a huge impact. And joining me today here in our podcast studio, here at Boston 25 News, Chief Jim Hooley and EMT Kelly Cronin from Boston EMS. Thank you both for being here today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having us. So we're here to talk about a group that I had heard nothing about, and I like to think that I'm pretty well versed in what first responders do, but the group is called Squad 80. And Chief, let's start with you. Tell me a little about this group and what Squad 80 does. Okay, I'll just give you a little bit of background. Uh, uh, a couple of years ago now, and back uh, 2017, uh, the city, us, we're, we're always trying to uh, evaluate our operation, how to make it more efficient, how to do, you know, j just like everybody, you, you're trying to do uh, not necessarily more with less, but as, as call volume keeps going up, as demands and service keep going up, and uh, you name it, uh, uh, traffic, what have you, well, uh, EMS systems, particularly urban EMS systems, uh, just get busier sure. and busier. Uh, we We have a way to triage calls we prioritize calls that come in through 911 we try to identify you know priority one calls two calls three calls in in you know descending order of urgency and you know our goal is to always have uh, you know like a median response time of at least uh, of uh, of 6 minutes to priority one calls you know particularly ones that could be you know life threatening or right. one minute priority one of course is the most serious correct and uh, so we closely monitor that, and not just us monitor it, but also uh, you know the city, the mayor. If if you know next time you're at the mayor's office, if you notice uh, his video wall up there, he has a lot of performance measures from different mm -hmm. departments posted up there, and you know they keep an eye on on that along with many other city departments. Uh, we we got an infusion of personnel uh, the year prior to that. We got you know the city, the mayor was able to give us uh, 20 additional FTEs. With that, we were able to add a couple of more ambulances to our day and evening shift, one more to the night shift, uh, to try to help out with the problem because we noticed that our response times were going up uh, to that type uh, mm -hmm. to priority one calls. And uh, the next year, uh, although there was some improvement, we still noticed that there were certain uh, certain areas of town and where that was still uh, an issue. And one of the things we identified using um, uh, representatives from Do It, uh, the mayor's office of uh, uh, it escapes uh, you, it. yeah, 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 doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, their IT and innovation uh, down there. They they had uh, some analysts and they would would analyze all type of data for the city and they they started looking at some of our computer aided dispatch or our CAD right. uh, uh, response time. Uh, issues and where we're seeing different things different times of days and some of the stuff that we're able to determine that there were certain call types uh, unknown EMS which is a priority one when we really don't have enough information so we are sending every, you know an ambulance right. police you fire. send the full crew right. yeah right because you're, you're not able to determine sure. you're not able to give pre-arrival instructions or, or feel confident to put this in a lower acuity uh, uh, queue 
So what happened was we, they also created some uh, maps for us mm -hmm. in, in doing so. And a couple of things became obvious. There were, there were some areas uh, downtown, uh, particularly on, uh, on the evening shift, where uh, you, along the Tremont Street, Cambridge Street, not near City Hall, uh, downtown crossing by the Common, where uh, maybe 75% of the calls that, that came in as an unknown EMS did not result in a transport. They wound up being somebody who was maybe uh, in need of being referred to a shelter, being referred to uh, street outreach teams, or uh, looking for rides somewhere, or, get, or looking for some other kind of assistance other than going right. to the emergency room or refusing to go to the emergency room. And, and, and not to cut you off, but mm -hmm. I mean, and at that point, you have a full ambulance that is dealing with that issue when it could be dealing with something maybe right because severe. once that ambulance is there trying to sort that out right. and maybe waiting until uh, uh some this person could be safely attended to uh they're not available they're not available in front of the call so that was one of the things that was impacting our ability to you know to, to deliver services and uh so one goal was to uh well and, and another issue uh, <clears throat> excuse me another area went we had a high density of, uh, of calls that, that came in a lot. It was up in you know the Mass Ave corridor or uh, you know sure. Recovery Road, right. where we would get a lot of calls. And and in there it was uh, we the transports were a little bit higher in those call types, investigations or unknowns. But we saw a lot of uh, uh, repeat right. clients, patients, right. if you know, if you will, and uh, who maybe that was another thing where they could benefit more by uh, referral to a lot of the services that are available now up there in that area. So the uh, city uh, considered that, and uh, they supported the idea of uh, us creating a non-transport uh, team, two EMTs and an SUV with full, full equipment, uh, minus you know a stretcher, not, not no ability to transport somebody, but uh, full resuscitative equipment, everything that they would have when they're in an ambulance, who would go to uh, calls in those areas, one to be they could do first response, or they could be at if 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 there was no ambulance available but they're also uh they had the ability to get up and uh, free an ambulance up so right. that was that was the goal there was it so squad 80 was born squad 80 then. was born yeah and so that's been going since october of 2017 uh, right uh, yes yeah so you know i was surprised by the numbers because you guys have been busy that group has been really busy um since then you've done like 3500 calls on that that's impressive yeah, and that was just through April. So those numbers have gone up. Right. That was for April sure. 30th of uh, this year. And, uh, you know, and just looking at, you know, some of that, that was uh, uh, besides that number. Yeah, so out of those calls, 813 of them did require transport, you know, to right. hospitals. So they kept the ambulance, sure. you know, continuing in. But the majority didn't. So it's obviously uh, having some kind of impact. Right, right. No, it, it did. It freed up uh, a lot of uh, times, uh, over a thousand times they yeah. were able to uh, cancel the ambulance that was coming in. So that immediately frees that, that sure. unit up for availability. Kelly, what's um, your role with all this with Squad 80? So um, I work the evening shift. Yeah. And so in other words, you're very, very busy. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you, it's the day shift is, is extremely busy really? as well yeah. as the evening shift. So, you know, um, so we start out myself and my partner uh shift starts around four o'clock and we go out and we just you know scour the area and look around i mean if we get a call and it'll usually come in as an unknown ems or an ems investigation you know and we'll head and over check and check it out and, and 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 like the chief said you know we'll determine you know if, if it's a uh, life-threatening issues and we 
you know, attend to that. If it's not, if it's somebody that maybe was just sleeping and, you know, they just need some, you know, assistance up and maybe a shelter ride or, you know, um, some sort of other resources that we can provide for them. And is, then, is there a different reaction from people when you show up with this vehicle versus a, an ambulance? Yes. So a lot of times we do get confused with the police. Oh, really? So unfortunately, and, and we're working to we're working to create a rapport uh. um, because what does tend to happen is that when we get there, a lot of them who may well have been sleeping, you know, they'll be like, all right, all right, I'm getting up. I'm gathering myself. And it's like, no, 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 no. Right. We're not here to, you know, give you a hard time. Right. We want to make sure you're okay. You know, that's our whole goal is to um, to make sure they're okay. You know, a lot of times when you're in the throes of an addiction, you're not, you know, um, taking care of yourself. You're not aware of your surroundings. So a lot of these people, I mean, yesterday was, what, 84 degrees. It was right. hot, you know. So a lot of them may start out earlier in the day and they might fall asleep. Um, and then wake up in the extreme temperatures, you know. So, you know, for them, we worry about things like, you know, um, you know, their body overheating and things like that. So um, really what we try to do is get, you know, take care of them and offer them, you know, assistance. And, you know, if they don't need to go to the hospital, then, again, like a ride to a shelter where, you know, if the environment is too much, you know, they can go there and warm up or cool down, you know, or if, you know, they're looking for, you know, some other resources that we can provide for them, you know, then we're happy to do it. But, yeah, a lot of times what they they see is they think that we're the police. And, and the police are great. And they've, sure, they've right. helped us out a lot, too, right. with shelter rides and things like that. Um, but they're gathering up their things. And we're like, no, 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 we just we want to mm -hmm. just talk to you and make That's sure right. you're okay. And, you know, and really try to build a, a bit of a trust with them so that they know that, you know, when they see us, they don't have to be, you know, um, overly concerned, right. you know, we're there to help them. Right. And we want to create that rapport with them. The chief touched on this uh, a minute ago, but, you know, with the opioid issue, what, what kind of role is that playing in what you all are doing with Squad 80? So, you know, a lot of um, folks, I mean, it's just unbelievable out there. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the, the, you know, the whole landscape of, you know, these areas is it's changing, right. you know, with the um, with the epidemic, and you know a lot of these folks, like I said, they're not self-preservation isn't really at the forefront for them. So we kind of want to go in and you know, um, not make decisions for them, but help them to understand like there's you know a way out of this, and it doesn't have to be by using drugs. You know, we can get you the assistance that you need, and you know, try and get them on a better path. Right and get them back to who they were. Well, and I think most people, when they think the um, EMS crew is going to respond to something like this, they're going to take them right to a hospital and let it be the hospital's issue. Right. And it sounds like this group is making a real dent in how to help people right, right there. Absolutely. I mean, the, you know, the emergency rooms are inundated. Right. You know, our call volumes are high, at the highest that they've ever been, you know. So what, whatever we can do within the scope of our practice um, to, to help alleviate those issues, you know, and, and to keep, you know, the, the, the patient's, you know, well-being at the forefront. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Whatever, what, if they need to go to the hospital, then they're going to go to the hospital. And that's, you know, if, they, if we know they need mm -hmm. to go, but they don't think they need to go, then we talk about it. 
And being in the Squad 80, we have a little bit more time on scene, again, to help build right. that rapport, to help them understand the consequences of maybe not going to um, the hospital or not going to a shelter or not getting you know the resources that they need. We have that time to maybe explain it where as being in an ambulance, we're kind of not, you know, we don't have that kind of luxury or the time to, you know, build the rapport. Sure. It's usually it's, it's, yeah, it is different. It's a different dynamic. So, Chief, this has been so successful. You guys are looking to expand it, right? Yes. I mean, we currently run it uh, on two shifts, day and evening shift, and it's been Monday through Friday. We, were, we really, uh, we considered a pilot, you know, to begin with and wanted to evaluate it, make sure that it was a, a good investment in our personnel's time. And, and again, that, that has proven to be the case. I know this year one of the things we did uh, request for from the city, uh, one of the investments for the, for the budget year, which will start in July, was some uh, additional personnel so we can expand the unit uh, at least to seven days a week. And we do have plans for that. Uh, I'm not sure when we're going to start that exactly because we have to get this uh, class on, get the people trained sure. so we can do it. Because we still need to obviously staff the ambulances, which are already, over, you know, uh, sure. our crews are busy. They're busy enough, work. right. So, but uh, we, we, we will this fiscal year expand it to uh, seven days a week. That's great. It, you know, and help uh, a lot of things Kelly said uh, really have to be uh, uh, just how, j just to expand on some of it. One, uh, you know, the initial goal was to try to help make the uh, operation more efficient. And everything she said as far as be able to spend more time with people who aren't going to go versus tying up the trucks but it's uh it, you know it has become much uh much more than that uh they're able to uh uh help inform some of our partners like the bureau of recovery services may's office of mm -hmm. uh, uh recovery services right. uh the shelters the uh, uh engagement center now down behind 112 everyone kind of gets to know each other um and they get to rely on uh, the police who have their bicycle units down there o over the last uh you know several months they can help share information that maybe to get somebody off the street if if they really are working with uh, healthcare for the homeless or have, working with the best team if they think that somebody maybe even should be a candidate for uh, to be uh, sectioned sure. uh, to force them into uh, some sort of treatment or care. Uh, they know where the and all of our personnel work in districts, not not just Squad 80. They they tend to know where the encampments are or where uh, you know some homeless who don't want to go to shelters even in the worst weather want to uh, sleep or right. hang out at right. night so that 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 intel is very important especially when you get a crew coming in uh, and, and you're familiar with us so if, uh, if an ambulance from Jamaica Plain transports into Boston Medical if they're coming out if they're the closest to a next call but they're gonna get sure. it you know they're not gonna right. well wait necessarily because we have to move trucks around all the time uh, you know, squad duty might already be able to uh, quickly direct them into some place, e even if they're already tied up, because they may have a good sense of where a location is, or where we're seeing uh, where we're seeing more problems, or uh, I don't want to use the word cluster so much, but uh, um, they they quickly become uh, right. familiar with uh, how things shift from from day to day. So this idea, you know, when you when you decided to launch the pilot, which mm -hmm. is now turning apparently into a little bit more than that. Yeah. Um, where did this idea come from? Where did you, where'd you get this idea? Do you know? Do you remember? Well, we, uh, w you know, again, we looked at a way that uh, if, if, you know, high percent of 75, 75 right. percent of a certain call type are 
was resulting uh, not resulting in a transport, then you necessarily need right. a transport to do it, a uh, transporting vehicle to, to respond, knowing that we still have to respond because in you know the other percentage cases of the time, it, it could be something dire and we don't want to sure. get caught. So, so the choice is not, well, we just won't respond to it, you know, so we still right. have to. But it's uh, not like you saw this happening in another city and said, oh, we want to do just, we want to be no, just like I, that. I mean, I remember, uh, you know, reading you know, years ago about, uh, you know, uh, a unit I think was out in L.A. that dealt with, like, uh, they, you know, they use the term serial inebriates, you know, mm -hmm. some of the, you know, the chronic, you know, street mm -hmm. alcoholics out there to check on them and maybe uh, take them uh, uh, places to, to, again, a similar type thing. Uh, uh, yeah, some years ago, I remember reading about that. But... Uh, we, we also, though, we do have experience where uh, our supervisors, our division supervisors, even our shift committee, when it would get really busy and there was no units available, uh, they would go. go right. And they were sort of already performing that function. Right. Or, you know, it could have been right. myself uh, commuting back and forth from mm -hmm. City Hall, stopping it because wanted to try to free up an ambulance so there was no units to send. Right. So, so, we, so we did see that that, that helped. And so by, f you know, it seemed natural that we would just go ahead and formalize it and try it out. Chief, how long have you been doing this? Uh, when did you get into EMS? Um, <laughs> Your staff is that. laughing behind you. Yeah, so right. <laughs> so I, I became an EMT in uh, 1976. Wow. I worked for a private EMS company for about a year and a half, and I started in Boston in 1978. Okay. So, so it was 40 years last June. You've seen a couple of things, haven't mm -hmm. you? Yeah. <laughs> so when you see the change in EMS from then to now with things like this what do you think well it's yeah it's, it's amazing how much we we come to uh, take it for, for, for granted right. you know back when uh, when I did start here at Boston I think we had maybe you know 10 units on the day shift and 10 on evenings and you went down to about six or seven at night and the call volume just uh, uh, you know just just increasing you know over the years but also uh, the level of skill that everybody has with mm -hmm. the paramedics and the EMTs and just the amount of things that uh, the EMTs can do you know now and 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 that keeps evolving you know how much we can uh, uh, the 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 state's looking at even more enhanced protocols coming up there to make uh, all of us more efficient uh, for pre-hospital care yeah uh, you know we do see uh, you know unfortunately more and more people who are uh, we're dealing with uh, homelessness, addiction, a lot of mental illness uh, out on the street. People who uh, kind of you know fall through the cracks. You know, the state closed a lot of facilities many years ago, but uh, those patients didn't go away. Right. You know, we're we're all still encountering. So we have to adapt. We have to get smarter and learn new skills. One to uh, be able to help our our patients, but also to uh, you know keep ourselves uh, safe and sure. and and be more efficient. You know, we're. We're trying to look at uh, developing more uh, classes for uh, uh, training for ourselves for like you know psychological first aid, how to uh, how to deal with uh, uh, situations on on scene, and maybe help to re uh, refer uh, patients out more into the mental health sphere. Yeah. You know, there'll be more and more uh, programs that they're talking about other non-transport uh, capabilities where you actually go up and you apply a medical treatment and. Uh, perhaps uh, either uh, re able to release somebody. Uh, th those are all still in planning. They're not currently approved here yet. Uh, but there's also uh, uh, some places we might want to consider being able to get approval to transport to uh, maybe not an emergency room, maybe 
to a sobering center or sure. maybe to a shelter because technically right now a licensed ambulance right. service can only transport right. to a licensed emergency room. Kelly, I yeah. want to go back because you, you're talking about how <clears throat> how really a, lo a large part of this is the community relations yes. on this. It's not it's it's helping people, but it's also building a rapport. And what have you seen as far as how that's that's growing um, from when you first started this program with Squad 80 to how that's kind of evolving, uh, especially with the people you see over and over. Right. Because that is a big part of what you all do, unfortunately. It is. Um, I've been in Squad 80 now for, I think, about three months. Mm. Um, and we've, I hate to call them repeat, but right. I've seen, you know, a lot of the folks repeatedly. And to the point where, you know, we're on a first-name basis. And, you know, I think because... There's, there's a few of them, too, that have actually gone and, you know, they've gone out on a, what we'd call a Section 35 to, um, to go and receive, you know, help for, you know, alcohol addiction. And they go down to a treatment facility south of here um, for about 30 days, you know, and they've elected to go and get that through, you know, our interactions with them and through the other agencies that we've had support with, you know, um, We've been able to kind of, you know, give them some information on folks that are, you know, there's, there's levels of cycling, spiraling downward, I guess. Sure. And when we see people like that and, you know, we, we let, you know, the, the other resources know and, and they can go out and seek them out and, you know, determine whether or not they can get them, you know, again, Section 35 and, you know, put in a place where they can, you know, Right. try to detoxify from their afflictions and things of that nature. But having, being out there and having a one-on-one, -on -one, you know, s just kneeling down and talking to them versus, you know, having to come up and be like, you know, we can't, you, you either can't stay here or, right. you know, we trying we to build that rapport. Right, now and right, right. So go. once you kind of yeah. take that off the table and you can build that rapport, I think, that you can, you know, they, they honestly, they, they see that people are trying to help them and you kind of meet them halfway. And when you can do that, I mean, I think a lot of times that they're more willing to receive help. I don't think that they're in their frame of mind, I think is just such of despair, you know? So when they see people coming in and taking the time to work with them and help them and they see us on a regular basis, that maybe, you know, maybe this time I'll take that chance again and, right. you know, go to a detox and, and try to get some help and, you know, see what happens. But So you're on, you're on this vehicle all the time, yes. right? Yes. So, and I know this may sound weird to people who are not familiar with what you all do, but those who get into being first responders, whether it's EMS, you know, fire, police, Many of them will always say is if, if, if something's going to happen, I want to be the one who responds to it, you know, the trauma or the crazy calls. Um, do you miss that? Um, I've been doing it for about 17 plus years now. You've had your share. So <laughs> I think I'm in, a, I'm in a place where, right. yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of things that I can't unsee, right. <laughs> you know, but I mean, I'm at the... I think I'm in a phase. I think everyone goes through phases when they're, you know, first responder uh, for the first five years, the t first 10 sure. years, you know. 
I'm in a place right now where I want to do what I can to give back and to try and help these folks on a more in-depth, you know, nature as far as, you know, like I said, you know, sitting and talking with them, giving them, you know, helping them to understand consequences of, of receiving a treatment versus not receiving a treatment, you know, and not having to be like, oh, I got 20 minutes, we got to get you in the truck, we got to get you to the hospital, or, you know, not having really any choices other than, well, you go to the hospital, you refuse, you know. We don't want to, I'm in a place now where I feel comfortable and I feel good, and it makes me feel good helping them, you know, where I can spend this time and talk to them and build that rapport. Building that rapport is everything. Sure. It really is, and, you know, I feel good walking away knowing that I've helped these people. So I'm happy with it, and I'm happy to help them. And I, and I hope I can continue to, you know, help them further down the road. I know that sounds silly, but... No, it doesn't. It, it, I, think it's, I think it's yeah. so critically important, and I think um, it's refreshing to hear someone who's been doing it, you know, who's seasoned at this, yeah. and still just as, it sounds like you're just as passionate. <laughs> oh, <laughs> experienced, right? Yeah. But is just as passionate as they were when they first got into this, and I think that's what yes. makes such a big difference. Yeah, and, and it's important also, uh, you know, to point out that, you know, she's still, uh, any, just like anybody, she's uh, at at work, she's always one second away from that uh, exciting, demanding sure. call. Uh, you know, it, it, the unit's fully staffed and stocked, and they have been obviously the first on the scene at cardiac arrest, a pedestrian struck, mm. sure. uh, uh, shootings, you yeah. name it. it because doesn't mean you they, don't they, go they, to that, right? Right, so, right. That's a, so they're going to be able to, you know, at the uh, snap of a finger, turn it all back on um and uh or pitch in and help out sure. if we have you know multiple patients at a scene so that's again that's one of the added values that that the unit brings us i think uh kelly's great i mean you, she, yeah. you know, you're pretty great too no no, no. <laughs> what, what i'm saying is so great. that's obvious right the, and so you the, can see the love you, podcast yeah full of love here. <laughs> and, and, and you can see that but uh but I was going to qualify that you know she's not she's not unique you know we, we have a lot of uh, right. a lot of great people who uh who who, like her, up until three months ago, was trying to alternate between doing that, not knowing necessarily what the next call was going to be, but still dealing with a lot. You know, some people do get a little bit uh, weary of doing call after call sure. like this. They, they, they want to do the stuff that's going to put them on your 6 o'clock, sure. your 4 o'clock right. newscast. Right. And uh, so sometimes they may get a little bit, uh, uh, some people may get a little bit uh, tired of it. So getting some, it's refreshing to somebody who's like, okay, let me just tackle this head on, just the opposite. And yeah, I can jump on something else if I have to, right. but in the meantime, I can focus on this. It's uh, it's it, it says a lot for our personnel that after 17 years, you still get that that's still the majority mm -hmm. of our calls. The majority of our calls aren't going to wind up on your right. your, your newscast, right. and uh, which is a good thing. Um, sure. We're not disappointed about that, but uh, they have uh, all. I'll just give an example of just how, uh, you know, incredibly hardworking all of our personnel are. And, you know, just, uh, you know, I look quickly because Kelly pointed out that, yes, there was a warm day. Well, one of the first ones we've had sure. in a while. And so we had 429 clinical incidents that were came in, were identified up at dispatch operations, either through 911 or other agencies requesting, entered, and then we dispatched units to. Out of the 429, uh, 303 of those resulted in persons transported in Boston mm -hmm. in a 24-hour period. So again, that's like over yeah. 100 that, that weren't. Now, a lot of these we could have been, you know, canceled, MBA, sure. canceled by the police, the fire, or, call, or nothing showing, what have you. 
But, uh, you know, there was probably a good percentage of those calls were the ones we had to go in and try to figure out, is there something yeah. else going on here? Is there, uh, is it somebody who could use some other service or referral or uh, maybe, uh, you know, give them a phone number for 311 right. because, right. because maybe that's what they're really looking for now and it's, uh, they don't want to go. Or, uh, or they just went maybe to, to assist somebody else. But, but also, you know, with, with the other training we're doing is like, hey, is this a call? There's something a little bit screwy here. Could this be maybe uh, uh, somebody who's a, a victim of human trafficking or domestic right. domestic uh, violence? A little more investigating uh, going on. Yeah, right? and so now we're going to yeah. spend a little bit more time trying to get them uh, to go to the hospital. That's something we, all of our personnel do on all three shifts, you know. And, uh, I, you know, we, we just want to make sure that, uh, that, you know, we give credit you know, to all our personnel who, wow. who are basically doing that uh, all the time now. And, uh, you know, Kelly gets to, uh, and, you know, her, her partners get to uh, focus on that. Because when it, when it came down to, I remember we were talking about when we created the unit, someone said, well, what specialized training they're going to need? I'm kind of like, <laughs> she's already doing it. Everything, she knows. Yeah. I mean, really, what did yeah. you, uh, other, other than the introductions to a lot of the ancillary services and those other team members out there, and she probably already knew a lot of them because, a ambulance 10 who's in that area probably already had a lot of those connections themselves so again this is just taking another step forward right. and uh, it's, it's a credit to all the uh, members of well, our department I think you you all don't get enough credit you know um, Boston EMS and I mean you just don't get enough credit for everything you guys see and everything you guys do every single day and, and when you see teams like this with squad 80 it's, it's really impressive you know you know, I think people are always so much until they have a one-on-one -on -one interaction with you. They don't realize the depth of what you all do every single day. You know, hundreds of times a day, as you were just talking. So, thanks for talking about Squad Eighty. Thanks so much for for what you all do Thank with you. this organization. And it's really been great having you here today to hear about this. And good luck with it ahead. Uh, with it ahead, Chief Jim Hooley and EMT Kelly Cronin. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you very much for having us, Blair. And thank you to everyone you. at Boston EMS who makes such a big difference on our city streets every single day. Thanks for listening to First on Scene. First on Scene is a production of Boston 25 News. It's hosted by me, Blair Miller, and the show is produced and edited by Dalton Maine. Music is provided by Killer Tracks. Special thanks this episode to Chief James Hooley, EMT Kelly Cronin, and all of Squad 80, and thanks to those who respond to every single call. You can listen to the show on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can read more about these stories at boston25.com slash firstonscene. Thanks for listening. <laughs>